Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I've got a message to share with you today that I really think is, uh, I've never taught on kind of part of the nuance of this topic here today, but it really kind of goes along and kind of continues the flow of the messages that the Lord has been giving me lately of kind of a, uh, a bit of a renewal, a bit of a rebirth of sorts, uh, a, bit of, a, a bit of a chadash, if you will, newness. Uh, and, uh, and, but, but there's something that really accompanies it that I really want for all of us, whether you are a member here for you know, 30, 40 years, or if you are brand new here, it's your first time here at Beth Hillel, because it's not, uh, although it's something I want to see us in our congregation grow with, but it's something that really has to start in our individual personal lives. And so even if this is your first time here, I want you to let this speaks you into your spirit because I think that there's, uh, there's an opportunity to have a bit of a, a, a paradigm shift, if you will, uh, so that, that our hearts can be turned more toward the Lord. You know, aside from what's going on in the, in, in the Ukraine, of course, there's so much that's been, been going on in our world and everything. We don't have to take anything more than the United States the last couple of years, right? I mean, my goodness, it has been brutal in so many ways just here uh, in America with everything going on. There's been massive social disconnection. There's been, yes, there's been death. There's been division amongst people. There's been fear. There's been sickness. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that there's not going to be another variant, who knows, uh, but what I am saying is that each of you who are hearing my voice today has made it through the last two years. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, hallelujah is right, you know, it's like, hey, listen, we don't take these things for granted. Uh, you, you personally... Many of you personally made it through COVID, as in that you had COVID and that you are here with us here today. Many of you know people who had COVID and who made it through. And yes, we mourn for those who are lost of, the, of that. There is no question, and our hearts go out to the families of those who lost loved ones. Uh, at the same time, we have to reflect upon the fact that you... We have made it through these last couple years. Again, not saying there might not be challenges at, but my gosh, I think it's okay to take a moment and to say, my gosh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we made it through. My, this, this has been something that I know that I've not experienced in my lifetime, and uh, you know, not many of you have experienced in your lifetime. I know we have Tom back there, experienced the Spanish flu in 1918, but otherwise... 
I'm just kidding. I love, I love my man Tom back there. You know, he's great. I'm just, I had to pick on somebody who I knew would just take it in total fun and just absolutely. But in any case, the point is, is that we've never seen anything like this before, y'all. And we have made it through these two years. Now, the question is, how do we handle ourselves after having made it through, after coming out, if you will, on the other side clean? There, there are some biblical spiritual principles here that I want to point out, some things. We're going to connect some things that I, I've, I had not seen before, I've never heard taught on before, that, that connect some biblical principles here that I think that for us, we can apply to our lives for having come through this, from having come through this last two years. Again, I'm not saying, I don't know what's, we don't know what tomorrow brings, but hey, listen, we made it through these last two years. And so uh, we'll, we'll, we will celebrate that. But how do we handle ourselves after having made it through? I want for us to think about this a little bit today because it's something that we should do as opposed to just kind of moving on about our merry way in lives and not thinking again about it anymore. It's interesting because something that may help us with that is to understand tzara'atz, tzara'atz. Now, I pr- know that most of you said well, obviously, Rabbi, we all knew you were going to say that. I mean, come on. Isn't that obvious to everybody? Tzara'at, of course. Tzara'at, of course. This is what we need to, uh, that will help us. It makes total sense. Okay, I understand. Most of you don't know the, the word and the term. It's a Hebrew word that's commonly translated uh, in our scriptures as leprosy. Okay, commonly translated as leprosy. When you read about it in the Bible, you'll, hear, you'll see and hear it translated simply as leprosy. However, it really uh, can be meant to indicate various skin diseases. Uh, at its core, uh, I don't even need to get into the, the nuances of it, but at its core, it probably is not leprosy in and of itself, but it can include diseases such as leprosy. So when you see this, there's a Hebrew word that is tzara'at, and we're going to look at this because the book of, how exciting, Rabbi, wow, what an inspiring message, leprosy, thanks so much, glad I came today. Listen, <laughs> there's lessons in here for us, I'm not going to show you any pictures, don't worry. Okay, the book of Leviticus has a couple of pretty large sections on how to handle people who have Tzara'at, okay? Again, commonly translated leprosy. When you hear that, you can think leprosy or leprous, but it's not just leprosy, okay? And, and, and the book of Leviticus really has two chapters that, that talk about this. This is not an insignificant part of the Bible. Why does the Bible talk so much about Tzara'at, about this leprosy, about skin diseases? You know, that's the part when you read the Torah, sometimes some of you read the Torah and you get to Leviticus 13, 14, you're like, yeah, okay, and you're, and you're reading your, your reading the Bible to your seven-year-old, you know, okay, let's go through the Bible, Jimmy, okay, and you go, and you get to the skin diseases, and if it oozes, and, and you're like, eh, okay, let's just skip to chapter 19 or so, you know, I understand, I, but why is this in here? Why is this in it's, it's in there for a reason. There's a purpose that this is in there for, and there are lessons that we can learn along the way. And so, because it's, the Bible spends a pretty good amount of time talking about people who have tzara'at or leprosy or some kind of skin disease, the scriptures tell us they are required to leave the camp. 
They right there to leave the camp. And we understand today how God was lovingly protecting the rest of the Israelites from this contagious disease. Okay, fair enough. But, but still, it was brutally hard to those who were affected by it. Anybody who had this leprosy or this tzara'at, this skin disease, it was very hard for them. Why? Because they had to, to go away from friends and family and they were, they were kind of, you know, they were isolated, if you will. They were, they were very much socially isolated. Of that, there's no question. They were disconnected. They didn't have interpersonal contact. They couldn't hug their, their, their loved ones. They, they, they couldn't talk on the phone. Okay, I'll let you think about that one. Okay. <laughs> um, eventually, if they became well, the Torah requirement involves a, it was, it's, it's really almost like a medical-like check and determination by the priests as to if one is clean. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like a medical, it sounds like they're going in for a medical checkup to determine if they're clean from this tzara'at. Leviticus chapter 14, let's go there. Now, if one, now here's the point. I'm not going to go through all the <laughs> details of it, um, but I, I want to point out something here that I think does have some application for us, and I'm going to build a, a kind of like a on a, a picture for you or a puzzle that we're going to put some pieces together here that are going to make something and even a story from the new covenant, I think, pop for you in a new and fresh way if you understand the Jewish roots. Okay, now if one is de determined to be cured of tzara'at, scriptures say he must present himself to the priest and do a few other things. So let's pick it up in Leviticus chapter 14, starting in verse 1. These are things that somebody has to do uh, if, if somebody claims or believes that they're going to be cleansed of tzara'at or a leprosy or leprosy-like disease, verse 1. Then Adonai spoke to Moses saying, this is the Torah of the one with tzara'at, your translation may say leprosy, in the day of his cleansing. He should be brought to the Kohen or priest, and the Kohen is to go outside the camp the Kohen is to examine him and behold, if the mark of Tzara'at is healed in one with Tzara'at, then the Kohen is to command that two clean living birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop be brought for the one being cleansed. The Kohen should command them to kill one of the birds in a clay pot over living water. We'll skip to verse 7. And he's to sprinkle... This is talking about after, uh, you know, with the blood. He's to sprinkle on the one being cleansed from the tzara'at seven times and pronounce him clean. Then release the living bird over the open field. Okay, so we see here, and, and honestly, although it sounds like it's a done deal and it sounds like a pretty extensive process, this is really just step one of the process, or steps one and two. It's more involved than that. Uh, but, but, but we see here that there's a sacrifice that, that, that is required and, uh, and, 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 and there's something that must be done. But even more than this, and we're not going to go through it all, but even after that, they accept him in or him or her back into the camp according to the Torah in kind of like in a conditional way. Kind of like there, he's not fully brought back into the camp in his home and everything. He's brought back in, but kind of partially for another week. And then a week after that, a week after the priest kind of initially checks him out and says, okay, it looks like the leprosy is kind of cleared. <laughs> you know, leprosy, by the way, especially in these days, incurable. 
I, I, you all know that back in these days. Okay, and so, but, but when he theoretically, this is a theoretical kind of point here, if he were to declare him clean, then bring him back to, and for about a week and after a week, if he still determines, the Kohen, the priest, determines him clean, there are other sacrifices that are required, including lambs uh, or, or turtle doves, if, if they can't afford the, the lambs, that must be made to declare them clean. What's the point, friends? The point is, is that even after someone is cleansed, there are offerings that must rightly be made. This is really important to note. I want you to pick up on this. Even after someone is cleansed from sara'ats, even after they're cleansed, there are sacrifices, there are offerings that must be made to be made right and to be declared clean. God reveals uh, things, and God reveals things through his scripture, through the processes that he has, through things that even don't initially seem important. They're important. If it's in this book, they're important. Okay, so God reveals things through this process, and he's establishing his name and his dominion over these diseases when he does this. Okay, this is what God is doing. Okay, so I'm painting a picture for you about there needs to be, if you will, almost like, if I could put it this way, credit and, uh, and glory given to God for the healing. That This is kind of the point. Part of the, the lambs we know is a sin offering, but part of it is just giving thanks to God, right? Is that somebody who is actually perhaps and theoretically healed or cleansed from leprosy, which is real serious, obviously. Leprosy still exists today, but other, other skin diseases that would have kept them out of the camp. If, if somebody's healed from this, man, they need to have an attitude of, of great appreciation to God for the fact that I'm no longer out there, but I'm now in here. Do you see, do you see the, 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 there are multiple levels of sacrifice and offerings that must be made. There must be an attitude of, of real gratitude to God and an acknowledgement that he is the one who is taking care of us and has seen the person with this through it, okay? Now you're starting to work with me here. Let's go to Exodus chapter four. Here's another point of something that has to do with this topic that I think you'll find very interesting. Dr. Susan's gonna love this whole message. This is your kind of message, Dr. Susan. When Moses, okay, different story here. When Moses was called by God to go to Egypt, okay, here, here it is. Moses, he's called by God, Moses, burning bush, the whole Megillah, right? Go, 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 back to, go back to Egypt, right? And I want you to say to Pharaoh, let my people go and tell the, tell the children of Israel. You know, in many ways, Moses was kind of seemingly, if you read the account, he was as much or if not more afraid of, of how the Hebrews would react than Pharaoh. Uh, you know, because he was like, what, what are they going to think of me? Trying to, you know, walking in there, they don't even really hardly know me from Adam. And if anything, they know me as a, as a, as a, a member of the Pharaoh's family. And, and I'm going to go in there and say, and I'm a Hebrew and all this stuff, and that I, God spoke to me? It, it, it's really, he was concerned that the, the Israelites would not believe him when he said that God told him to do this. He thought, they're not going to even, they're not going to buy this at all. Okay, Exodus 4, verse 1, then Moses said, this is Moses talking to God, but look, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They will say, Adonai has not appeared to you. 
Okay, he was concerned. He was concerned about what the children of Israel would say when he came back to say, well, I'm here to say, you know, to liberate you. They'd be like, who are you and what are you doing? And what are you talking about? God has not talked to you. This is what he was afraid of. This is what he, at least this is what he was concerned about. And so he's talking to God and says, what, what, what will give in that regard? So what does God tell him to do? God did, what does God tell him to do? What, what, are, what is a sign that God tells him, listen, when they, when they don't believe you, here's what I want you to do, Moses, to prove that it's me who's sending you. And so he tells Moses, first he, he has this thing where he says, take the staff, throw it down. You've seen this. this he did, they did this in practice, right? You know, and it became snake. And then he picks it back up from the tail, staff again, right? Totally cool. And, and this was one of the, the signs that God gave Moses to say, when you talk to the children of Israel and say, God sent me, God's the one who's doing this, God's working through me, this is one of the signs that I want to give you to prove it. God is telling Moses this. But then he tells them of a second methodology to prove that it is God who sent Moses. Let's go to verse 6 of Exodus chapter 4, a couple verses later. Adonai also said to him, so Adonai is talking to Moses, now put your hand within your cloak. So he put his hand inside, and when he took it out, his hand had saga'at, white as snow. So his hand had this disease, this skin disease. Unbelievable. I mean, he just put it into it. And then verse 7, then he being God, then God said, put your hand back into your cloak. So he put his hand back in, and when he took it out, it was restored again as the rest of his skin. Then he, then God said, if they do not believe you or listen to the voice of the first sign, they will believe the message of the latter sign. Powerful, powerful. Okay, catch it now. So, so, so he, he was explaining to Moses, listen, when you go to the children of Israel and say, hey, God sent me. This is, I got a message from God. And they're like, ah, we don't believe you. He said, first throw down the rod. It becomes a snake. Pick it up again. It becomes a staff. But secondly, they're still going to be skeptical. And then what I want you to do is take your hand, your clean, wonderful hand, put it in your cloak, take it back out. It's going to be with saga'at. It'll be diseased with a horrific skin disease, a, a leprous kind of a disease. And then you put it back in the cloak and take it out, and it's going to be just perfectly healed. Very interesting. So God healing Sarah'at was intended to be a sign of Moses being from God. Okay? This was a sign. This was a sign that the God of Moses is God and that Moses is speaking truth from God. It was a, a message being sent that what this man is saying is true and is from the one true God. That's the message of the, of the leprosy and then the leprosy or the tzara'at being healed. Now I want a, a transfer to a story about Yeshua from Luke chapter 17. With these two concepts in mind, and hopefully that picture painted for you. Let's go to Luke chapter 17, this interesting story of Yeshua. And some fellas that approached him from a distance. 
Luke chapter 17, verse 11 says this. Now, while going up to Jerusalem, Yeshua was passing between Samaria and the Galilee. As he entered a certain village, ten men with tzara'at came toward him. They stood some distance away and raised their voices saying, Yeshua, Master, have mercy on us. Wow, boy, that's deep. Oh, man, y'all, when I hear that, my heart just breaks for these guys. How isolated they've been, how, how hurt they must have been and felt. I mean, Yeshua, Master, have mercy on us. It was said that, that, uh, that the, the people who had sara'at, as they were walking, if they came anywhere near other people, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So people would know, oh, okay, I keep my distance. Can you imagine what that does to somebody mentally? You're talking about mental health? Oh, my gosh, man. I mean, oh, my heart just absolutely breaks for these people. Oh, my heart. And so, and so they were hurting, and they heard about this, this, this healer, Yeshua, Master, have mercy on us, they said from a distance. That's all they could do, of course. This makes sense if you understand the Torah requirement for those with tzara'ats. If you understand the Torah, you understand why they were from a distance, why they were young. And, and, and these men were hurting, unable to be with their friends, unable to be with their family. They were outcasts. They wanted healing. They wanted community. They needed God's touch. Wow. There's some familiarity about some elements of this with all of us in different ways. How did Yeshua respond? Verse 14, Luke 17, 14, the very next verse. When he being Yeshua, when Yeshua saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the Kohanim. And as they went, they were cleansed. Wow. See, why did Yeshua tell them to go show themselves to the Kohanim, the priests? Because Yeshua followed the Torah, of course. I mean, if, if you understand Leviticus, we just read it. It's real clear. I mean, they, Yeshua could take care of their healing. But he was following the, the Torah, of course, as he would have as a, as a as a Messianic Jewish rabbi, okay, if I could put it that way, okay. Of course, that was the requirement. They go to the, to the Kohen, to the priests, for the, for the declaration. What an amazing symbol this was. I want for you to notice here. When Moses asked God for a sign, when Moses asked God for a sign to show that God was with him, he used the healing of tzara'at as a sign. This is one of the things that God himself came up with to prove that the person who was speaking was from God, was the healing of tzara'at. Because it was known that only God could heal someone with tzara'at with leprosy. It was known. In fact, how, how well was it known? In fact, 
the rabbis of the day in Yeshua's time, first, uh, circa first century, the traditional, the, the rabbis of the day had divided up miracles basically into two categories. Regular miracles. <laughs> regular miracles. It would be nice to have a regular miracle. I understand, okay. But still, regular miracles that could be done by anyone when God empowered them. And three that were designated as messianic miracles, meaning that three miracles that could be done by the Messiah. Only the Messiah could do. This was the tradition of the day. And this was one of the three because it didn't happen. People didn't get healed of leprosy. Take note that since the law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and completed, and the law was given as to how to be declared clean from Sarat until that moment that Yeshua healed these, these, these 10 guys of, of leprosy, of Tzara'at, from the time of the law until Moses, there is no one in scriptures recorded to have gone through the process of being declared clean from Tzara'at. There's not one person, if you look in the scripture, who it says they went through the process and they went to the priest, as it said, and, and the priest declared them, and then it was a week later and they offered the sacrifices. There's not one instance that we read about. Now, Miriam was healed, as we know, when God had afflicted her, but that was done before the law was completed. Naaman was healed, as we know. He was not Jewish. He had, did not go through. You remember the story of Naaman, who was healed of leprosy. He was not a Jewish guy, so he didn't go, have to go to the priest. He didn't do this at all. This is the only two other recordings of this that happened at all. Now, I'm not saying that there were not any, but none have been recorded. There were none recorded. And also, I have to say, this was not the first time that Yeshua had healed someone of Tzara'at. If you look a little bit earlier in the scriptures, Yeshua had already healed somebody of leprosy of Tzara'at. So it's, it's, it's of critical importance to notice and to understand that in doing so, in healing someone of Tzara'at, Yeshua was, by extension, pointedly declaring himself to be the Messiah. That was a declaration that would have been completely understood by the, by the religious leadership of the day. Because this was only done by the Messiah and it just hadn't happened before. We don't have any record of it. Very, very, because remember also, right, that this was a sign by God through Moses as well. Do you see? It was a sign by God to say, yes, what Moses says is from me. The God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When that le It was used to prove, remember, in and out of the cloak, uh, the healing of the leprosy proves this is only God could do something like this. So getting through the tzara'at is a sign. But then something else happened which is interesting, and it relates back to all of this, really. Verse 15, now one of them, Luke 17, verse 15, now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, 
came back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell at Yeshua's feet, face down, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now we stop here for just a minute and we recognize the fact that, hold on, here's the interesting point about this, which you probably picked up on already, or you may have read the story before. Ten had been healed. Ten guys, scriptures read, I read it to you earlier, ten people came up to him, yelled at him, hey, Yeshua, please have mercy on us from the distance. Ten, he said, okay, go to the priest, you're, 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 you're clean. Ten were healed, ten were healed, ten were healed, ten were healed. Ten were healed, yet just one came back. Just one came back to praise Yeshua for his restoration. Just one came back. Did Yeshua notice this? Did Yeshua notice that only one came back? Yes, he did. Verse 17, 17, 17 of Luke. Then Yeshua answered and said, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Weren't any found who came back to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then Yeshua said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Mm, I have chills. Interestingly, nine out of ten of the lepers who were healed took off. They bolted. Nine out of ten. They were celebrating whatever. They took off. Surely they were happy and relieved, of course, but they did, not give, they did not stop to give God glory. They didn't have that kind of an appreciative attitude. They, did, they didn't recognize the source of their healing, really. Nine out of ten, y'all. Nine out of ten. It's interesting because as we read in Leviticus, remember, this should all be connecting for you. If one was saved from the pestilence. It was of critical importance that one make sacrifices to God. It was a critical part of the fullness of the restoration. The fullness of the cleansing only happened when you turned and you gave thanks to God with your offerings for sin offerings and to praise God for his goodness. You have to recognize the source of your redemption. You have to recognize the source of your redemption. <laughs> okay, I want to I bring this home with two things here that, that really connects to us, I think, on two different levels. The first thing is this pandemic. I talked about this at the very beginning of the message. You all resonated with me. You all agreed with me, and, and you all amend me. <laughs> and rightly so, that, man, you're right. You know, we've made it through. Anybody who's hearing me has made it through these two years. We've made it through. The, these two years of the pandemic, we, we've made it through. We're, we're, we're right at about the two-year anniversary when things just absolutely exploded here in America. We've made it through. We've made it through. It's unbelievable. A pestilence that took the lives of one out of every 300 or so Americans. Will you offer a sacrifice of gratitude? 
I'm not talking about an offering. I'm not talking about something in the, the box. This, is not a, this has nothing to do with money. This is not what I'm even driving at at all. This is not some, some TV evangelist can take that and <laughs> run with that. That's not my thing here. Will you go back to the one who spared you? Man, y'all, we've been saved. As bad as this thing was, and it was bad, but as bad as this thing was, and people, this, that, and the other, the virus itself, the vaccine, you know, everybody's got different opinions. You all know that. But whatever it is, at the end of the day, we're two years later, and whatever, you're still here. The Lord has spared you. You've been spared. You and I have been spared. Not everyone was spared. We've been spared. When we've been spared from the pestilence, friends, we have an obligation. We have an obligation to go back to the one who spared us. We have an obligation. We don't really, we th- we don't really think of it in those terms, and it's, oh, beloved, if, this, if another variant doesn't come in three years, we're not going to think about this at all for months and months at a time until somebody brings it up or or, or somebody's wearing a, a mask and when you don't expect it, and, you, and it'll bring you to memory this season that we've been in. But it's so easy to be like the nine. It's just so easy. Secondly, in addition to the physical redemption from Tzara'at, from the, the physical leprosy or or COVID, if you will, that we've been through during this pandemic. But secondly, each of us has been redeemed from spiritual leprosy. If you are a believer in Moshiach, if you're a believer in Messiah, then through his blood that was sprinkled over you, you've been cleansed. Does that sound familiar? We read about that. Through his blood that was sprinkled over you, you've been cleansed. You've been healed from your tzara'at, the spiritual leprosy, because all of us have our own tzara'ats. And because of this redemption, which could only come from the hand of God, I can't heal you from your spiritual tzara'ats. I don't care how good am I, a pretty good rabbi? Well, boy, you're a pretty good rabbi. That was a great message. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on this one. <laughs> Got some Hebrew tzara'at, pretty good, huh? huh? <laughs> I can't heal you from your spiritual leprosy. Um, it's way above my pay grade. Way above my pay grade. In fact... As the psalmist just sang, there is only one found worthy. There is only one found worthy. The redemption from our spiritual tzara'at can only come from the hand of God. And when he touches us and heals us from our tzara'at, we can again have fellowship with him and the other righteous ones. We can be drawn back into the camp with him forever. Whoa, this is cool how this all fits together. 
Leviticus is cool. <laughs> Yeshua's sacrifice <laughs> cleanses us from our tzara'ats. But, but, but here's the point, friends. We must go back and thank him. Hello, hello, friends. You're with me on this. We must, we must, we must be the one out of 10 that recognizes the healing and goes to worship the healer. Our sins are darker than any leprosy, yet we are washed whiter than snow. In this season, in this season that we're in right now, this this renewed season that we have here at Bethlehem. Perhaps you're watching online as well. The, the question is, is that in this season where things are renewed, are you turning back to the one who cleansed you? Or are you just moving right on along like nine out of the 10? Friends, we have to be changed. We gotta be changed on the inside. We have to be different once we are healed. There's got to be something truly different about us that's apparent even to those around us. We have to not go along business as usual. Our life has been redeemed. Our life has been redeemed, friends. That is why, as Rabbi Shaul said, we should offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. Do you see where he's kind of getting this from here? It makes sense if you really kind of understand here, because even when physical leprosy is healed, you've got to offer some serious sacrifices to God, as he would have been the author of the healing of the tzara'ats. How much more so when it's all your sin of your life being washed whiter than snow? What sacrifice does that require? See, Yeshua took the place. He, he is our sacrifice, but our response should be offer up ourselves as living sacrifices, our lives as living sacrifices. It makes sense. If you understand the enormity only, if you understand the enormity of God's forgiveness and of your sin itself, that should never be, offering yourself up as a living sacrifice, friends, should never be looked at as a requirement. It should be looked at as an opportunity. It should be looked at as God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much that you healed me from my leprosy, from my tzara'at. Oh, my dear God, you healed me from my sin. What can't I, what won't I do for you? What won't I do for you? What an opportunity to serve you. Please, God, use me however you want. Lord, I want to come back to you falling on my face before your feet. You see, if you get it, then you get what I'm saying. If you get it. If God heals you from leprosy, you should want to come running back to him and to serve him in any way you can. But beloved, I'm gonna tell you something, honestly, most don't. Most don't. I'm talking about believers. Nine out of 10 don't. 
Nine out of 10 don'ts. Ask yourself the question. Oh boy, watch out. Prepare yourselves, put your feet under the pew so they don't get stepped on. If you're watching online, just still keep listening, but turn it down two notches in volume, not because it's gonna be loud. Ask yourself the question, are you the nine out of 10 or are you the one out of 10? Are you the nine out of 10 or are you the one out of 10? That's a hard question. It's a hard question for all of us to answer. Listen, I'm not looking to condemn anybody. I'm looking to encourage you and exhort you and to, and to give us all a perspective change. Man, when I was thinking about this, whew. You might say, well, I love God. That's not what I'm talking about. The nine out of 10 were thrilled with what God had done for them. I'm not saying, are you happy with what? No, I'm saying is, is that is your attitude to run back to the master Throw yourself weeping down at his feet, giving him the glory and thanking him. See, there's quite a difference. Psalm 51, as we prepare to close, Psalm 51. Oof, wow, boy. <laughs> Man, this is very interesting how it all connected. I've never, this has been a blessing to me, but, but also pretty oof, convicting too. In a, in a good way. This is what we need, y'all, for this next chapter of Bethel. This is where we need for where we're going. This is not, this is not 101 stuff here. This is, this is deep stuff. The psalmist had it right. Psalm 51, his repentance psalm. King David, we'll skip to two different verses. Verse four, King David says to God, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Mm. Verse nine, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Achim v'achayot, brothers and sisters, as we enter into this new season here at Beth Hillel, ooh, I'm excited about it. I hope that you are too. My charge to us all is to turn to God now more than ever, more than ever, to be more passionate than ever. Yeshua rightly points out that nine out of 10 don't turn back to give glory to God. Nine out of 10 take their salvation for granted. Nine out of 10 don't seem to have that passion to fall at Yeshua's feet face down and give thanks. In this new season, if we're to do what God is calling us to do, that can't be us. That can't be us. I want our congregation to be full of people who not only are made clean, but people who are so grateful for it that our zeal to serve him is so palpable that it's contagious. <laughs> See, that's the right kind of spreading. Is that you? Is your passion for God so strong that it's contagious? Where are you on this question? <laughs> the title of my message is One in Ten. Let's bow our heads. Oof, thank you, Lord. Wow, boy, I, 
I'm grateful for this. This is, a, this is a, a challenging word for me and all of us, I think. And how interesting how you reveal it so clearly when we see it, even from your Torah and how it connects in Moses to the story of Yeshua and what all that story reveals more than meets the eye. Oh, Lord, thank you. I want to I wanna ask everybody here, Lord, help us be the one in ten. Help us be the one in ten. It's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple request. For all of us, Lord, I pray that you stir our hearts. You know, sometimes I think it needs like a stirring. Our hearts to be stirred. Lord, stir our hearts, Lord, to serve you like never before. Passionately, deeply to turn back to you fall at your feet with our faces down to say thank you and to give glory to you who saved us. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you and you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to today, raise your hand and we'll pray together. If that's you and you've never made that commitment to follow Yeshua, but you want to, it's a simple prayer. But there's a transformation that takes place inside. Is there anyone who hasn't done so before but would like to today just lift your hand? Perhaps you're watching online and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. Just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear God, I humble myself before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart, Lord, to cleanse me. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Thank you, God. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your cleansing, for your forgiveness. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're here, please see me after the service. If you're watching online or listening on the podcast, please drop us an email. We want to just encourage you in your new walk, in your new faith walk. And for the rest of us, Lord, I just want to pray you'll touch each and every one of us. Maybe we could just, let's just stand and just do one chorus of this song. Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon. Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel, Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture.